Well, welcome once again. So glad you're with us this morning as we continue our series entitled, Is This Wise? Because we all face all sorts of decisions all the time. Do I take the job? Do I move to the next city? Do we have children? How do we raise our children? Do I stay single, get married? Is this wise? Is this a wise thing to do with my time, my money, my friends, my future? Is this wise? See, that's the question that King Solomon asked. Solomon, the king, looked at all sorts of different aspects of life. Marriage, work, sex, parenting, relationships, planning. And he asked, is this wise? What's the wise thing to do with my time, my money, my future, my energy, my friends. And then the scribes wrote down the words that Solomon spoke. And he became known as one of the wisest men in the world. And many of his sayings are found in this book that we're studying, the book of Proverbs. But long before Solomon became known as a wise king, he was just a prince. No, he was just an ordinary prince, deeply afraid of becoming the king. And in this transition, in this transition from becoming, from being a prince to a king, Solomon had this fascinating conversation with God. He had this conversation with God where God asked him this question in a dream. And in 1 Kings, we read this. The king, King Solomon, went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices. For that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings at that altar. And at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon. During this tough transition from becoming a prince to becoming the king, in the night in a dream, and God asked him, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Isn't that an awesome question? Can you imagine God asking you that question as you transition some point in your life from childhood to adulthood, from one job to the next? Here's Solomon transitioning from a prince to a king. Here's this question from God. Ask for whatever you want me to give you. If you have one wish, Solomon, what would you want me to give you? If you heard that question from God, how would you answer it? If you had one wish, one request, how would you answer the question, what do you want from me? Would you ask God for money? I mean, everybody wants to win the lottery, right? Would would you ask God for health? Maybe you're going through some sickness in your life and you want to be healed. Would you ask God for athletic abilities or musical talents or just to be the best in your desired profession? What would you ask God for if you had one wish? How would you answer the question? What do you want? Many of us know how Solomon answered that question. He didn't ask for money. He didn't ask for fame. He didn't ask for relationships or health. He didn't ask for any of these things. You remember what Solomon asked for? He asked for wisdom. He asked for knowledge. He asked for the the ability to discern right from wrong and good from great. And God gave him wisdom. He became one of the wisest people on the planet. Many people from faraway places came to hear Solomon's advice. And that's what we have here. We have the words of Solomon. We have the words of God. 
We have the wisdom of God about all sorts of different aspects of life that once correctly understood and applied to our lives can make us people of wisdom, can help us in the decisions, the tough decisions that we all face, the tough transitions that we all have in life because Solomon could have asked God for money. He could have became the wealthiest king in the world, but without wisdom, he would have squandered all his money away. Solomon could have asked God for power, and, and God would have made Solomon and his, his kingdom the greatest army in the world. But without wisdom, he would have abused his power and eventually lost it. See, Solomon could have asked for, for fame, you know, and friends and family. But without wisdom, he wouldn't have the ability to keep his friends or go deeper. Because Solomon knew And this big transition is his life as he's going through uncharted waters from a prince to a king that more than wealth, more than power, more than friends, he needed wisdom. And isn't that what we all need? In the decisions that we face, in the transitions that we're in, as we're transitioning maybe from childhood to adulthood or from marriage to singleness or singleness to marriage, as you're transitioning from one job to the next, Isn't that what we all need? I mean, certainly we want wealth. Certainly we want influence and power. But what we need is wisdom. We need the ability to discern right from wrong, good from great. Whatever transitioning we're in, whether we're taking care of children, grandchildren, or aging parents, we need wisdom. We need the wisdom of Solomon. We need the wisdom of God. We need help in the decisions that we make. And that's what we have here in the Scriptures. We have the wisdom of God. We have the wisdom of Solomon. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Proverbs chapter 1 at 625 in your pew Bibles. The words are also going to be on the screen, so you can just read them on the screen. But last week we started off our our series in in Proverbs, and, and we looked through the first seven verses. And the first verse we looked at was, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That, that the foundation for a life of wisdom is to fear God, is to worship God, is to submit to God. And to say, God, your ways are higher than my ways. I'm going to submit myself to you. That's the foundation. That's the starting point for a life of wisdom. And if you weren't here last week, the message is online. You can listen to it there. But this morning, we're going to pick up where we left off. We're going to enter into the very next phrase that that Solomon speaks. This week, we're going to talk about a topic familiar to all of us. In fact, right after Solomon teaches us to, to fear the Lord and submit to the Lord, he describes to us some of the most influential people in the world. And I'm not talking about the president or other world leaders or even our parents. Solomon speaks to us about some of the most influential people in our lives. They're our friends. He, speak, he speaks words of wisdom about the relationships that are closest to us. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8. The words will also be on the screen. This is the words of God, the words of Solomon. Solomon, chapter 1, verse 8. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. Your mother and I have been talking, Solomon writes down. And and we've got some wisdom. We've got some words that we want to pass on to you. In fact, these are the first words of wisdom right after Submit to the Lord. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Solomon writes this. My son, if sinners entice you, if the wrong crowd comes to get you, 
Don't give in to them. If they say, hey, come along with us. Let's lie in wait for someone's blood. Let's waylay some harmless soul. Let's swallow them alive like the grave and whole. Let, like those who go down to the pit, we will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us and we will share a common purse. My son, my daughter, do not go along with them. Do not set your foot on their paths for their feet rush into sin. They are swift to shed blood. And then here's the proverb. Here's the wise saying. It's not a promise. It's a truth about how life works. Verse 17. How useless to spread a net in full view of all the birds. Isn't that just an awesome saying? How useless it is to spread a net in full view of all the birds. Do you see the wisdom of that? How useless, how foolishness it is to spread a net so that all the birds can see it because everybody can see it. Everybody can see the net. Everybody knows it's there. It's in full view of everyone, son, including you. Verse 18, these lie, these men lie in wait for their own blood. They waylay only themselves. They set a trap for everyone, and they're the ones that walk into the trap. They pull out a trap. They set a full view, a trap for everyone to see, and they are the ones that fall into the trap because that's the way life works. You set out a trap for somebody else, and you're the one that falls into it. Verse 19, such is the end of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the lives of those who get it. Such is the wisdom of Solomon. Such is the way life works. You go after ill-gotten gain, you set a trap for somebody else. That's the very trap you fall into. It's a wonderful word of wisdom. But did you notice how it started? Did you notice how Solomon's words were, were captured in a story. And it was a story about friends. It was a conversation about the relationships that are closest to you. Verse 10, he says this, My son, if sinners entice you, if, if, the, if the girls in your school entice you to cheat on a test or to wear immodest clothes, if, if, if the guys in your business entice you to to make some shady deal, if the women in your neighborhood are gossiping about somebody else in, in the neighborhood, don't go with them. Don't go down the path. Ask yourself this question. Is this wise? Is this a wise thing to do with my time, my money, my energy, my friends? Because friends are some of the most influential people on the planet. Friends can lead you down the path of folly. They can have a tremendous influence on your life. Your close friends, your school friends, your work friends, according to the scriptures, can lead you down the path of folly or the path of wisdom. Proverbs 13 says this, He who walks with the wise grows wise, 
but a companion of fools suffers harm. He who walks with the wise, he who understands and hangs out with people that not only know the right things, but do the right things, those are the people that will walk with the wise. They have a tremendous positive influence on your life. But the company of fools, those who hang out with fools, those who set a trap for other people, they fall into the own trap they set for other people. They, 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 they suffer harm. See, there's the path of folly and there's the path of wisdom and you have a choice. We have a choice. And the book of Proverbs lays out this choice throughout the story. Will you travel the path of folly or the path of wisdom? Because your friends are extremely influential in your life. And according to the scriptures, they will move you. They will motivate you. They will help you either walk down the path of wisdom and grow wise or walk down the path of folly and be a fool. But the choice belongs to you. It belongs to me. Will I choose the path of folly? the path of wisdom. Because we all have friends. We all have friends on our phone list. We all have friends on Facebook. We all have friends on our, on our, on our mobile devices. We all have friends. And the question that we want to consider, are our friends leading us down the path of wisdom and we're growing wise? Or are our friends leading us down the path of foolishness where we suffer harm? But Solomon doesn't give a third option. He doesn't say, hey, you got some partially wise and partially foolish friends. He says, you got to make a choice. you got to make a choice. Am I going to walk the way of wisdom or am I going to walk the way of folly? And the question that we want to consider this morning is simply this. Am I hanging, hanging out with wise friends or are most of my friends fools? That's the question. And it's a tough question. It's a hard question. And thankfully, Solomon just doesn't leave it to us. Solomon, throughout the book of Proverbs, gives us these wise sayings, these truths about how friendships work. And these truths help us discern the answer to that question. Am I walking in the way of the wise, or am I walking in the way of fools? And for the next few minutes, we're going to look at, at these other passages, these other Proverbs that Solomon speaks. I organized them with the acrostic friend, so I'm going to talk about five principles, five truths about friendships that will help us discern if we're walking the way of wise or walking the way of fools. So as I go through this, just think in the back of your mind, who's on my phone list? Who's on my Facebook page? Who are the people that I hang out with? Are they wise or are they foolish? The first letter in the word friend is F, and it's for few. Uh, our friendships are few. We have a few good friends. I know Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook would like us to think that we have hundreds of friends, right? But we don't. We don't. We have hundreds of acquaintances. We have hundreds of potential friends, but we only have a few good friends because that's the way friendships work. Solomon writes this, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A man of many companions, a man who has lots and lots of friends, a man that has the appearance of friends, he looks like he's got a lot of friends, may come to ruin. Because when life gets hard, his friends are going to leave him. 
when he's at that point in his life when he needs someone, they're not going to be there. But there is a friend, there are a few friends that stick closer than a brother, that they will be there in your times of need because friends are few. That's just the nature of close friendships. That's just the example that we see in the life of Jesus. Remember, Jesus had hundreds of relationships. I mean, he fed 5,000 people. He healed hundreds of people. I mean, people loved Jesus, but he only had a few friends. He had 12. And of that 12, he had three. Peter, James, and John. Those are the ones that he poured his heart out to in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus had a few selected close friends. Because friends are few. Friends are also real. Friends are real. They're honest. They're authentic. They speak words that need to be spoken. Listen to Solomon's wisdom. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Words from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. That's just a powerful proverb. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Words from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Now, we've got to remember, this is Hebrew poetry. There's parallelism. Verse 5a sticks out with 6a, and 5b with 6b, meaning a rebuke... A wound from a friend can be trusted. But hidden love, a hidden rebuke, is like acting like an enemy. Meaning, a true friend can speak words of love that hurt. They're truthful, but they're painful. They say what's necessary. They don't hide the truth. They don't say, you know what? I'm not going to say this to my friend because I don't want to hurt their feelings. That's like an enemy. That's hiding your love. That's not love. A friend can speak words of truth. They can be honest and real and say what needs to be said to your face. An open rebuke, words from a friend can be trusted. A number of years ago, I was introduced to the book, Caring Enough to Confront. And it's basically based on this principle, that you care enough about your friend that you confront them. You openly speak the words that need to be said because hidden love is like acting like an enemy. So you take that risk. You step out and you say, I love you enough to tell you that what you're doing right now is wrong. You're going the wrong path. See, that's what wise friends do. Do you have those people in your life? Are there people in your life that speak words of truth? Because they're needed. They speak words openly, even when it hurts. They're real. They're honest. Friends are also insightful. I is for insightful because sometimes our friends can speak words that hurt, even though we know that they're needed, but sometimes they can speak words that are insightful because they know you, they love you. They, 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 they can speak words that are comforting to your heart. Listen to Proverbs in, in uh, 27. It says this, Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. Now, once again, perfume and incense, they bring joy to the heart. They're sweet-smelling. And the pleasantness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. A friend gives words of advice, words of counsel, words of insight. 
And they, that's the, the beauty. It's like a sweet aroma. It refreshes your heart. Because that's what a friend can do. You trust a friend with your secrets. You trust a friend with what's going on in your heart. And a friend, a good friend, a close friend, who knows you and loves you, hears those words and then speaks words of insight because they know you. They love you. When you go to them for advice, you've got to make a tough decision or you're making this big transition, you go to your friend and they know you, they love you, and they speak words of insight, words of advice to help you go along the way because friends are few, friends are real, friends are insightful and e. Friends are emotionally engaged. When you're happy, they're happy. When you're sad, they're sad. When you mourn, they mourn. That's what it means to be emotionally engaged. Listen to God's wisdom. Like one who takes away a garment on a cold day or like vinegar poured on soda, there's one who sings songs to a heavy heart. The one who takes away a garment on a cold day, that's not, that's not a very good, good guy, or pours vinegar on soda, is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. See, if I'm happy when you're sad, then we're not friends. If I'm happy, I'm singing songs, and you're sad, you got a heavy heart, then we're emotionally disconnected. And we're not friends. Because a friend is emotionally engaged. A friend is happy when you're happy, sad when you're sad, mourn when you mourn. They are there with you emotionally. Maybe you've said this phrase, I hear it all the time. I was going through this hard time. Maybe my, my friend died or I lost my job or I, I was going through this. And this person was there with me. Don't remember what they said. Don't remember what they did. All I know is they were emotionally present. They were there. Because that's what friends do. They're emotionally engaged. See, friends, friends are few. Friends are real. Friends are insightful and they're emotionally engaged. Do you have those friends? As you think about your phone list, as you think about the people you hang out with, are these the types of friends that you hang out with? Are you following the path of wisdom? Are you hanging out with fools? This is the way of wisdom. Friends are also necessary. I love this proverb. It says this, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens the uh, the other. Iron is strong. Iron is stable. Iron is used for building buildings and and making swords. But iron alone is dull. And a dull sword is useless. Iron needs to clash with something strong. So is the nature of friendship. A good friend comes with confidence and convictions and, and capacities. And they bring that into the relationship. And they clash and they clang and they sharpen one another. They speak respectfully and with honor, but they clash because we need one another. We sharpen one another. We can't go away alone. We need our friends to sharpen us. It's the nature of a good friend. I remember a distinct time I was with a good friend and we clash over all sorts of different things. We support one another, but we clash with one another. And on his birthday, I flew down to see him, surprise him for his birthday. And as I was leaving, he said his thank yous and his goodbyes. But he looked at me and he says, Chad, I need you. I need you in my life because you're my friend and we can clash with one another and we sharpen one another. Do you have friends in your life that sharpen you? 
This is the nature. This is the wisdom of Solomon. And finally, friends are dependable. They are there when you need them. Friends are dependable. A friend loves at all times. A brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times. Not sometimes, right? Not in the fun times, not in the, in the bad times, not in the routine times, but in all times. A friend loves at all times. They're there when you need them. There is no such thing as a fair-weather friend because a friend is dependable. A friend is different than a family member. Certainly, your wife can be your friend. Your husband can be your, your closest friend. And you can have friends with your siblings. But a friend is different than a family member. Because when life gets hard, a, a family member is almost obligated to go to the funeral or go to the event. And they do it because they have to be there. A friend's there because they want to be there. A friend is there because I want to be that source of support to you. I want to love you in your moment of of difficulty. I want to be there. That's what a friend does. That's the nature of friendship. And friends commit to one another over the course of time. They deepen their relationship because they're there for each other. Time and time and time and time again. That's the nature of friendship. See, friends are few. Friends are real. They're insightful. They're emotionally engaged. They're necessary and dependable. The question is, do you have those types of friends in your lives? Are you walking in the way of the wise or are you walking in the way of fools? It's your choice. You have to make that choice because our friends are extremely influential in our lives. They can lead us down the path of wisdom and the path of folly. But a better question might be, in fact, a more important question might be this. Are you becoming that type of friend? Are you becoming the type of friend that is there for other people? Are you on the short list of a few good people? Are are you the type of friend that is honest, that you can speak words that may be hurtful to some of your close friends? Can you speak words of insights? Do you know the people in your life well enough to speak insightfully so that their hearts can be alive? Are you the type of friend that is needed by another person because you sharpen one another? Are you dependable? Do you love at all times or sometimes? Are you a good friend? Because friends are a huge gift. They're a rare gift. And in order to find a good friend, you must be a good friend. I love the King James Version. As they translate Proverbs 18.24, it says, A man that has friends must first show himself friendly. Meaning, you must become the friend that your friends are looking for. You must become the friend that your friends are looking for. You must be real, be selective, be insightful, be emotionally engaged, be needed, and be dependable. Because Solomon had one wish. He could have wished for anything. He could have wished for money, for power, for, for fame. He didn't wish for any of those things. He said, God, give me wisdom. Give me insight. 
Give me the ability to discern right from wrong and good from great. And that's what we have here in the book of Proverbs. We have the wisdom of Solomon. We have the wisdom of God. We have the wisdom to discern a wise friend from a foolish friend. But the choice is ours. Each one of us must choose. Will I follow the path of wisdom? Or will I be a fool? And maybe you're here today and you're thinking through your friend list and, and, and you're thinking through the people on your cell phone or on your Facebook and you're thinking, I have got some great friends. And if that's you today, maybe God's word to you this morning is rejoice. Be glad. Call them up and say, you know what? I just want to thank you for being a friend. I just want to thank you for being insightful. I want to thank you for, for the ways that you've loved me in my time of needs. And I want to sharpen you. I want our friendship to go deeper. If that's you this morning, maybe you've got to call up somebody on your way home from worship and say, friend, I just want to let you know you are a great friend. I love you and I need you. My pastor told me to call you. Maybe that's what you need to do. If you're in that spot or maybe... Maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking about your list or on your phone or in, in, on your Facebook and you're concluding, I, I'm kind of hanging out with some fools. I'm not really walking in the ways. Of, it's not like they're just waylaying and I'm falling into a trap, but they're really not helping me grow in my relationship with God or, 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 or helping me in my journey. And maybe you need to find some new friends. Maybe you need to put yourself in a position to be around some new friends. I remember when I was transitioning from one city to another, from one job to another, I didn't have any friends in this city. So I went to church. I, I ended up in a Bible study. And I ended up in a men's group. And I hung out with a guy. There were about a dozen guys, but I had one that was a friend. And we're friends to this day. Because I put myself in a position to make some wise friends. And maybe that's God's word to you. Maybe you need to branch out. Or maybe out of the ten potential friends, you can go deeper with a few. Or maybe you're here today and you're not looking at your cell phone or you're not looking at your Facebook page. You're looking in the mirror and you're seeing yourself as not a very good friend. You know, I'm not dependable. I can barely speak a word of insight. I'm not, I'm hiding my love. I'm not really confronting people with a caring way. And, and maybe God's word to you this morning is simply this. I'll be your friend. Isn't that what Jesus said? He says, I'm not calling you servants. I'm calling you friends. I'll be there for you. I'll love you with the love that can never be earned, therefore it can never be lost. I'll be dependable. You can count on me. I will love you. I will speak to you. I will transform you. Maybe that's God's word to you this morning. You can have Jesus as a friend. Because one of the things that I've noticed in my own journey is that when I'm connected to Jesus as my friend, I am a much better husband. I'm a much better friend. Because I've, I know who God is. I've experienced His love and grace and acceptance. Therefore, I can give it away to others because that's the nature of friendship. And maybe God's word to you is, is, is uh, Jesus, I want you to be my friend. But if you're in a spot and you're looking for friends, don't pray for friends. Pray for wisdom. Pray for the ability to be the type of friend that your friends are looking for. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. 
We thank you for the clarity in it. We thank you for the ability that you give us to discern right from wrong and good from great. And right out of the gates, we know that these decisions are hard. They're difficult. And we not only pray for the ability to know right from wrong, we pray for the strength to do it. Because that's wisdom. It's not just knowing it. It's doing it. Help us to discern the way of wise, the way of wisdom, the way of the wise. And may we walk in it this day and every day. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.